Hello, I'm Tony Payne and welcome to The Painful Truth, the text and audio journal that seeks to bring the truth of Christ crucified to every aspect of our lives and ministries. As always, you can listen to The Painful Truth, as you obviously are if you're listening to this, or you can read it. Uh, the email newsletter comes out every week straight to your inbox, and in that newsletter you can either click the play button just to listen, or you can read the text, which is directly underneath in the email. So you can choose to do either of those, but you can't unless you're subscribed. And so please, if you haven't subscribed yet, go over to thepainfultruth.substack.com and subscribe. It's the best way to make sure that you get The Painful Truth every week. Now, this week's Painful Truth is a little different. It's an open letter to someone I know very well and who has a question that I think many other Christians probably also have. And so this week is a letter to Dear Worthless Cockroach. Dear Worthless Cockroach, I hope you don't mind me following up our conversation with an open letter like this, but I'm sure you're not the only person who feels like you do. So let me see if I'm capturing your train of thought. I think what you're saying is this. A, I know I'm a sinner through and through. That's true because the Bible says so, and also true in my experience. B, I also know that God has loved me and saved me, not because of anything I've done or because I'm worthy of his love, but purely by his sovereign, wonderful grace. But C, so is there anything about me, that is, as myself, as the person I am, apart from God's saving grace, that is actually worthwhile or lovable? Am I just a worthless, sinful cockroach that God has chosen to love? And if so, am I wrong to feel bad or uneasy about that? To feel, as I sometimes do, that underneath everything, I really am pretty worthless and unlovable. Have I got that right? Is that your question? I think so. And if it is, let me see if I can say something useful about it without it becoming one of my usual long and boring lectures. I guess I could start by saying that you are certainly worth much more than a cockroach because Matthew 10 says so. If I can slightly paraphrase Jesus' words, are not 50 cockroaches sold for $5? And yet not one of them will be eaten by someone's pet reptile apart from the will of my father. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many cockroaches. So we've already got an improvement right there. You are certainly worth more than a whole intrusion of cockroaches, which is the collective noun for cockroaches. All jokes aside, this is actually the beginning of an answer to your question. Because although... Sparrows, as it was in, in fact in that text originally, or cockroaches for that matter, although they aren't worth very much to us, it's clear that they are valued by God and are encompassed and taken care of in his sovereign fatherly way. And of course, so are we, only much more so, that's Jesus' point. It's the same lesson as in Matthew 6, where Jesus says that God provides generously for the birds of the air and for the flowers of the field, and that should reassure us that he will most certainly provide for us as well. As Jesus said, are you not of more value than they? So why do flowers and sparrows and cockroaches and humans have value in God's eyes? Is there a sparrowy kind of goodness that God sees in that little bird that he wants to protect and nurture and provide for and see flourish 
is that little sparrow valuable in that sense? Or is the sparrow actually worthless in itself and only made valuable because God arbitrarily just chooses to love and care for the sparrow for his own sovereign reasons? Now, this is actually a much debated question in moral philosophy. Oh, great, I hear you say. But the simple biblical answer is that the sparrow is indeed good and valuable in itself because it is one small but wonderful part of God's good creation. It is good and valuable and lovable because God made it good and valuable and lovable in his own infinite goodness. And so are you. Everything God created is good and is to be received with thanksgiving, says Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. And that includes the extraordinary created thing that is you, with all the attributes that God in his providence has brought forth in you over the years. Everything that God has done for and in you, the way that, that food and drink and clothing and learning and education has grown you and matured you, the maturation of your intelligence, the development of a whole range of personal qualities, of talents and relational gifts and so on and so forth. All of these God has nurtured and grown in you, just like he dresses the flowers of the field in their unmatched finery. And this is one important reason that you have value and are lovable in and of yourself, because the infinitely good God made you and made you good. And he has nurtured you in his providence to be the lovely creature you are, if you don't mind me saying that. In fact, this is one way of understanding what love is. Love is an affectionate knowledge or perception that something is really good. And then the accompanying desire to participate in that good, to see it grow and to see it flourish. God's providence is loving. It's loving towards the sparrow and it's loving towards you. And it corresponds to the goodness that you and the sparrow share because God made both of you with your own kind of sparrowy and human goodness. And he wants to see that goodness grow and flourish. And we see this in human relationships as well, of course, that when we love someone, and that's whether we're a Christian or not, or whether they are a Christian or not, when any two humans love one another in some way, they're responding to something good that is really there, something good in the other person that attracts us, that we want to be part of, and that we like to see continue and flourish and grow. So there really is something good and valuable about you. Whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian or a sparrow or even, yes, a cockroach. Something that is lovable, that draws forth love. Because all God's works are good. They're all fearfully and wonderfully made. But of course there is a but. There is also something profoundly not good about you as well. And I guess me too, if I'm honest. Our stupid, sinful rejection of God throws a giant spanner into the goodness that we were created to enjoy and to be and to become. And that sinful rejection alienates us from our creator, our good creator. And it introduces corruption and death into every part of our lives. In fact, this is what the classic reform doctrine of total depravity means. I think you've probably heard of that. It doesn't mean that our sinfulness 
is complete and total, that we are as totally evil as we ever possibly could be, it means that sin has penetrated into every part of us, into our hearts and wills and minds and desires and actions, that depravity has overtaken us totally in every part of us so that we can't escape its influence and its consequences. And all this means that our actions before God become profoundly ungood. Although we have goodness and value as one of God's creatures, and that remains and continues, we also have turned aside from him and fallen far short of his glory. We don't seek him, we can't know him, we can't please him because of this. And this is all because we've taken his good creational gifts and prodigal son style run off to a far country to spend them on ourselves. And this is the sense in which we have become worthless, as Romans 3 says. We've corrupted the good gifts he's given us and ruined any chance we had of becoming the kind of creature he made us to be or fulfilling our potential as one of his good creatures, if I could put it that way. And it's in this state that we experience from God a special form of love, a love that we call gracious or unconditional love, and that we regard as the highest and best form of love. It's a love that seeks the good or benefit of someone, regardless of anything they have done or any quality that they have. And God's love for us in Christ is, of course, supremely like this. He loved us when we were his enemies, not because of any goodness in us or in our works. This kind of love, this unconditional love, still seeks and longs for something good. But the good that it seeks after and longs for is a good that it creates and brings into being or restores, not a good that already exists. Gracious love like this wants to bestow good on someone, to bring a goodness into existence that wasn't there before. And that's what God's gracious, unconditional, sovereign, wonderful love does for us in salvation. It redeems the tragic ruin that we've become by rejecting him. And in its place, he puts a whole new goodness, a whole new goodness in Christ, a goodness or righteousness that is a gift. We're all good now, as the young people say, because God has cleansed us and given us the goodness of Christ. And even more than that, he now enables us to put off the old, selfish, stupid, rejecting, and rebellious, sinful ways, the lies, the malice, and all the rest. And instead, to put on a new character of goodness that is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This unconditional love of God is still all about the good and has a relation to the good. It desires and seeks out something very, very good. But it's the good that we are in Christ and will become in Christ because of his love. Now, I hope all that makes sense uh, because this letter is fast approaching long and boring lecture length and it's time for me to stop. I'll see if I can summarise. Underneath it all, even apart from God's saving grace, you are indeed a very lovable and valuable creature because God made you that way and all his works are wonderful. God sees that when he sees you and we all do. And God continues to provide for you in his love, just as he does for the sparrows. In fact, even more so than the sparrows. 
But God also sees the fallen creature that you became and still are in your sinfulness and rebellion against him. And he sees all the self-inflicted damage that that did, all the layers of dirt and grime. And in his unfathomable, unconditional love, he has redeemed and renewed you because he could also see the good redeemed creature that you would be and become in Christ and that you will become in Christ when he's finished with you. Praise his name. Well, I hope that helps. With all my love, as always, Dad. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little open letter to one of my kids. I won't say which one. And if you'd like to make a comment uh, or give me some feedback, I always love to receive that. You can just reply to the email newsletter if you're getting that or drop a comment in the comment section on the website. Um, please let me know what you're thinking about these sorts of issues and whether this resonates with you. And secondly, just a little heads up, uh, when I launched this newsletter and podcast back in March, I flagged that I'd eventually ask people just to chip in and make a small monthly contribution to help keep this all going and to support the broader writing work that I do um, outside of The Painful Truth as well. Uh, that time is approaching. Soon you will be able to chip in a few bucks a month to support The Painful Truth and my broader writing ministry, but I'll give you more details about that in the next couple of weeks. Well, that is all for this week and this edition of The Painful Truth. As always, thanks so much for listening. I'm Tony Payne. Bye for now. Music